Welcome in. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Fresh episode for you. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue, um, along for the ride. We got a lot to get to, recruiting stuff, team stuff. Um, there's a few new additions to the roster as, as enrollees come through. Uh, a long-anticipated arrival of a junior college standout and Jaquan Brisker, who joins this edition of the podcast. Him and Sean Fitz uh, caught up uh, for a conversation. He's expected to come in and challenge uh, for a starting safety position when he gets on campus at a Lackawanna College. I shouldn't say when he gets on campus. He's on campus and and that's the point of the discussion. We'll, we'll highlight some of those uh, new additions to the roster. We'll get into some key recruiting developments, major news coming uh, for a five-star Penn State target. We'll get into all that in just a moment. But, uh, Sean, it's content season. We've been having some fun taking a, an early, broader look at this college football year. Uh, figured we'd do it again because Brad, Ca- Brad Crawford, uh, 247 Sports uh extraordinaire when it comes to these kind of conversation starter pieces uh has one here uh with some key items but before we get into that uh obviously we're back on uh not a ton has happened since we last left our 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 audience last week uh but we got some developments to get to and as i said some roster additions as well yeah absolutely we'll we'll start with uh content season and and we're not going to spend as much time as we did on the other day uh as we did on it the other day but uh brad crawford or Bearded sneakerhead from down south has some bold predictions for the college football season, and we're just going to talk the ones that really impact Penn State, except for the first one, which is he predicts Notre Dame flops. I think people that are listening to this podcast will appreciate that one. I don't necessarily disagree with them. I think their quarterback recruiting has really sort of held them back, and of course they they, they have had a lot of success in the last couple of years, um, but uh, I, I don't see them you know continuing to, to, to play that. I went, They lost to Clemson last year in the playoff, obviously, but I don't see them getting back there this year so I think our fans will appreciate that one his first Big Ten one though was interesting to me because we talked about Scott Frost in Nebraska a couple times in the last few weeks he expects Nebraska in the Big Ten title game representing the Big Big Ten West I could honestly see that happening because this is a Big Ten West that's still wide open you you kind of expect Wisconsin to to return to form but they're gonna have to find a quarterback whether it's Graham Mertz or or someone else but uh, I mean I think Nebraska it's it's theirs for the taking and and they can certainly improve to the point where where they can find them themselves in Indianapolis yeah and the Iowa Hawkeyes I think are always in that conversation they lost a couple first round talents at tight end but but they bring back some really solid pieces I think it's all there for Wisconsin if they can figure out their quarterback situation just find a reliable game manager for that offense that's all they really need uh to me Adrian Martinez another eight-year starter in in (laughs) that's what they need exactly well and and when you look at Nebraska it's about this relationship between uh Scott Frost and his quarterback Adrian Martinez Martinez was committed to Cal uh Frost got the job very quickly got him on campus as an early enrollee everything happened really fast and he really showed to be one of the top freshman quarterbacks who got their opportunity last year west seems wide open uh nebraska i think is probably the team that most expect to build on their win total from 2018 in the big 10 by the way going back i think florida is the team getting some top 10 buzz right now uh, that i think is going to end up underwhelming picking up four losses or so along the way and and that's back-to-back podcasts with a little bit of negative light shown towards the gators i promise that's not on purpose it just kept getting worse I mean, we, we, I think we recorded on Friday morning and by the time we had posted it, there were one or two more decommits for Florida. So yeah, that just kept getting worse and it went back to trust. I mean, it was, it's one of those things that recruits are actually watching that pretty closely right now. One recruit, uh, it's kind of slips my mind who it was, but tweeted that he's watching how they're handling the Chris Steele situation at Florida. And that's, uh, you know, that's, I guess optics are everything in that situation. 
Yeah, and it's a it's a staff that had a really strong debut season there, um, but the, the, they don't have a lot of roots. There's, I mean, Dan Mullen has SEC roots. I think he's in well with a lot of high school coaches, but jury's out on the Florida Gators and, and really compelling matchup to start their season against Miami in, in the Camping World Stadium that Penn State finished last year. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. And, and Miami and Florida, I think either team could get exposed significantly in that matchup. And moving on to, to another one of these bold predictions that Brad put out there, staying in the Big Ten. He's got Michigan beating Ohio State for the first time under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Urban Meyer's obviously gone. For me, ooh, I mean, if it doesn't happen this year, you know, when when is it going to happen? He's got Shea Patterson for another year. Um, he's got the offensive play caller that everyone's busting about and Josh Gaddis. And, you know, Michigan is going up against uh, an Ohio State team that we just don't know what they're going to look like. Ryan, Ryan Day could pull a Lincoln Riley and, and just seamlessly become a superstar coach in his own right after replacing a program, uh, you know, figure that, that brought championships to the campus. Um, the jury's out there. Uh, Michigan over Ohio State. It's crazy to think that's, that this is a bold prediction, but that just goes to show you it has been such a thorn in the side of Jim Harbaugh. Well, they've won twice since 2000. I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. I mean, crazy. This, this has been an ins- insanely one-sided thing. I mean, more so than Penn State against Michigan and more so than Penn State against Ohio State. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, until until it happens, and I don't I don't agree. I think Ohio State beats Michigan even though the game is in Ann Arbor. It's just one of those, I think it's one of those mental hurdles for Jim Harbaugh, and if he doesn't get it done this year, which, you know, if he, if he doesn't, then he might be looking for a job next year, maybe following his way up once uh, into the NFL or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with this one. I think Ohio State's going to be good again. I think they're going to take some time to find themselves because they need to to shore up some some of those losses to the, from the, uh, excuse me to the NFL draft but at the end of the day I mean this is still the most talented team in the Big 10 uh, speaking of the Big Ten, Brad Crawford has the conference missing the playoff, which honestly I could see happening once again. I mean, Penn State, or excuse me, the Big Ten beat up on each other the last couple of years, and whether that Ohio State-Michigan uh, battle at the end of the year is going to determine that, I think it certainly could happen once again. Um, you know, it's obviously not ideal for our listeners, but uh, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State going to play each other every year, and then in the West, uh, you know, I just don't know that you have that strength, and you're going to go into the Big Ten title game and probably lose to the east so uh it's uh it's a tough one to say but when you look at it it kind of makes a little bit of sense the big 10 gets left out of the playoff once again in the last three years zero points posted in the playoffs by big 10 football programs of course i'm I'm also referencing three years ago when ohio state was shut out in in round number one by clemson in that semifinal matchup but yeah back-to-back years there now and, and a big part of the problem was you know Clearly, a two-loss Big Ten champion is going to have a hard time getting in there. But you even look at a one-loss Big Ten champion, depending on where that loss occurred on their schedule. If they're facing, say, out of the Big Ten East, you get a one-loss Ohio State, a one-loss Penn State, a one-loss Michigan. You're stacking up their resume against all these other teams who are also going into their conference championship games that same weekend in early December. If they're looking across the field at a four-loss Big Ten West champion again, or a five-loss Big Ten West champion that's going to really impact the the, you know, the perception of what that game means to the college football playoff if you've got a couple top five teams going at it um, and, and essentially playoff play-in games uh, occurring in, in a couple other conferences as we've seen in recent years. So I think that uh, you know the lopsidedness of the competitive uh, you know atmosphere in the Big Ten at least last year I think hurt them uh, and I and I think that could be the case again, Sean. You know I think if three, four, five lost 
Big Ten West champ isn't going to really, you know, give a team a boost late with a win over that squad out of the Big Ten East. And, and maybe I'm maybe I'm selling the Big Ten West short, but I think that that lack of, of balance and competitiveness right now, and you can look at the recruiting results too in that in that regard. I think that is hurting the conference. Well, and and on the other side, I mean, any team except for Ohio State sort of has an uphill battle to get to that to to, to I guess convince these people in the college football playoff committee that they deserve to be there. Of course, Michigan State made it a couple years ago and they got railroaded um so really it's it's not a very convincing argument unless you're ohio state so i think that kind of stigma is working against penn state michigan whomever it may be wisconsin uh to get into that uh to the the title game or excuse me not even the title game but to the playoffs. so we'll see what happens there um just a couple uh, may topics for us the content season brad crawford very appreciative of 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 the stuff he does for 24 7 sports closer to home three new nittany lines on campus we talked about this a little bit at the end of last week um weston carr told us that he was probably going to be here on monday to start this the the semester that didn't happen uh he's yet to be admitted to the graduate college from from what he tells us so we're still waiting for you know he, he and george campbell to arrive but so far three new nittany lions came in this weekend to start the uh the, the first may uh, summer session yeah, a couple out of the junior college level, both out of Lackawanna. You've got Jaquan Brisker, the safety prospect that Sean, you had a good conversation with. We'll have that here in a moment for our listeners. And then also out of Lackawanna, Bradley King, a, a, a punter, uh, really seen Penn State stockpile the specialist. We know they've got an offer out to, to a former Virginia Tech player that you reported out a couple weeks ago. Uh, so they've been proactive and in, in bringing in, you know, they, they kind of reshaped that whole uh, specialist group last year into this year. And, and here's another name to know. Uh, but but out of the high school level, one of their top rated recruits now on campus, uh, checking in Sunday morning, 8 a.m. with the program, Caden Wallace out of the Hun School in Princeton, New Jersey. Second time in three years, the Nittany Lions add a player from that program. A defensive tackle Fred Hansard signed with Penn State out of there in the 2017 class. And with Wallace, you're getting a guy who has really dedicated himself to transforming his body. Really, since he committed last spring, over the last year, uh, shredded bad weight, continuing to build up his strength. Uh, he's a guy I think comes to campus ready to compete. He has ambitions to put himself in a position, you know, to push for playing time uh, right away. He's on campus a little bit earlier than than some initially in, uh, expected. Uh, underway with classes here as we record on Monday and and when we talk about the offensive line development and maybe where they're going to need to to shore up some things in terms of depth uh Caden Wallace has talked about uh with the staff tackle guard he's a top five offensive guard prospect uh in terms of 247 sports composite rankings the top offensive lineman out of the state of New Jersey um and I think he's just going to be a real good fit with this team from a cultural standpoint and also just from a guy who can be effective in the trenches and um you know be really curious to see how much he can push uh you know to get consideration as a two deep guy I think you're probably looking at that more in 2020 uh but he's certainly someone who brings the the versatility and and the dedication as I mentioned again in and we've talked about this before in the past, Sean, a guy who made sure he put himself in a spot where he didn't get to campus and had the coaching staff have to knock him down to build him back up again. He started that process on his own, uh, and I think he gets to campus, and that'll that'll benefit him and put him on a faster track uh, than maybe some of his peers who are getting to college campuses in different spots in the country. Yeah, and Wallace was up over 330 pounds, um, dipped down into the 280s, actually, and that's kind of the blueprint. We're probably going to talk about this a bunch in the next couple of years, especially with the way that Penn State's offensive line 
re- uh, recruiting looks right now with the uh, Golden Achumba at 320 and Grant Tutans up there. He's a he- you know not a heavy kid, but uh, you know a big kid. Aaron Parks is about 330 right now. They want them to take that weight off, and th- that's going to happen eventually. We've seen it uh, you know on both sides of the ball. We saw it with Aeneas Hawkins last year. He came in at 290, and he ended up in the 260s this spring. So um, it's one of those things where they're trying to to, to take that weight off because it's going to come off eventually. But if you if you have I guess the initiative to do it before you get to campus. I mean, that's something that that has sort of been laid out as the blueprint to some of these guys that are already committed. So it'd be interesting to see over the next couple of years how much they preach that. And and it's one thing that that kind of spurred me to think about something else. Charles Power, one of our scouts um, at twenty four seven Sports, did a, a sort of a quantitative analysis on the uh, on the draft and where things go. If you were an offensive lineman picked in the in the NFL draft in the first three rounds, you averaged about two hundred and seventy nine pounds. Uh, just six of the uh, excuse me, just uh, six of the 30 interior offensive or defensive linemen were over 300 pounds in high school uh, as high school process prospects. Excuse me. Now you're talking probably what Penn State's class of 10 has five offensive linemen and Cole Brevard, probably five or six of those kids are over 300 pounds right now. So they want to see them down. And that's not necessarily the reason they want to see them down, but you're coming in uh, you know, a little bit more agile, thinner, healthier. Um, you're you're learning how to eat before you get here, which is a huge thing. I don't think anybody really pays much attention to, you know, how these guys eat when they're at home and versus how they want to eat when they're on campus. That's it's a, the diet's such a huge thing right now. So I think the the Caden Wallace blueprint is something we're going to be talking about for a while, especially with the group that's coming in in, in 2020. And by the way, Sean has a story up on Lines 24-7 right now about Golden Achumba dropping about 50 pounds and how that's impacted his ability um, as a guy who's viewed as a, a really a rising figure among all interior line prospects in the country right now, I think. Um, Sean, in terms of the other additions, um, you know, we'll get to Brisker in detail with your interview in a moment. We've talked about how before uh, there's that safety spot next to Garrett Taylor that needs to be determined. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland, Lamont Wade, two, two names that have been referenced a lot. Lamont Wade coming out of spring camp seemed to be in a good spot there but as we've said uh th- this competition competition really felt like it was going to start when brisker got on campus and, and he's here now yeah absolutely this is one that uh, we've been waiting for for a long time it would have been nice to see him in for the spring but unfortunately he was a non-qualifier out of gateway so he had to go the uh, the associate's degree uh route and spend a couple of years at lackawanna um he's coming in to start i mean this is uh this is a, something where he's not coming in you know expecting to compete and uh, and i guess push for time or anything like that he's coming in to to battle sutherland and lamont wade and take that job and i think that's the the way to approach it is a kid that's six one and a half, six two, two oh five. I mean, he's he can run, he can hit, he can he can play all over the place. So you could even see him in that star role, um, playing some field linebacker at times. But is an all around football player, uh, very good athlete back there, and they're they're really excited to see him. And I'm I'm excited to see him too because that safety's position very thin right now. I mean, you're talking about a two deep that's Garrett Taylor, Sutherland, Wade, John Patrician. So the opportunity is certainly there for Brisker to come in, and if he can come in like he expects to come in and I think he will I mean this is number four player in the country in the junior college ranks by 24-7 sports number one safety in the country we've seen junior college safeties have an impact one just got drafted in the first round so uh be, be really interesting to see what what type of uh I guess presence he can have back there I'm excited to see him play though 
Yeah, this is, again, not some kid making the jump from high school. I know it's a junior college level, but he was an All-American at that junior college level. He was about as good as you can possibly be with the football that was presented to him as an opportunity. And this is another reminder of the safety competition of the different paths that players take to, to college college lineups. You got Lamont Wade, Jake, uh, Brisker, two guys who just two, you know, two years ago were, were coming out of their high schools in Western Pennsylvania. One has to go the junior college route. The other one is considered one of the premier prospects in all the country. Um, and here they are, you know, the job on the line, and they'll both be going after it uh, two years into their in their college careers, going into year number three, and a really important year for both these guys. Uh, and another guy who brings two years of eligibility to campus is that aforementioned punter, Bradley King. Unlike Brisker, don't feel the need to, to, to see him on the field this year. If he does, that means there, there probably is an issue because Blake Gillikin should be among the co- uh, co- best in college football. But Blake Gillikin is leaving after this year. He'll, he'll be moving on with his career, with his life. Uh, so, you know, Bradley King may be a name to know there. And, and we've talked about this before. There is an upcoming specialist camp in Happy Valley. And, and punter is a spot that I think we all need to keep in mind for the 2020 recruiting cycle. Yeah, I think they're going to take a punter regardless. And, and of course, uh, the, the the transfer from Virginia Tech is, is, is a possibility as a, as a kickoff specialist. So it's a good time if you're a guy that needs a scholarship, if you're, if you're trying to break into a program, to get that first cycle of the uh, the new special teams coordinator where Joe Lorig is coming in to Penn State. It's a good time to, to, to sort of um, you know catch on in that sense because there's a scholarship up for grabs at this camp. I, I think there's little doubt about that. Um, and when scholarships come out to kickers, I mean, they're just – I guess I don't know how to explain it without saying they're like crack. I mean, you got to everybody just sort of flocks to it, and you're going to see that with the specialist camp. It's going to bring in somebody, and I have uh, I'm pretty confident that Penn State's going to bring in probably a top five specialist this year. The the, the whole question is, I'm not sure who it is. So we'll get yeah. to that. But right now, we're going to get to Jaquan Brisker. Uh, talk to him before his arrival to Penn State. Excited to see what he can do. Excited to hear from him. And now we're going to bring in Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan, you signed with Penn State uh, in December. How did everything come together for you? Because you were a high school standout out of Gateway, but you had to go the junior college route. How how did that journey sort of start for you? Well, the journey started when uh, I noticed that my my grades were well enough. So Coach Duda came to my high school and recruited me. He said that, uh, do I want to bet on myself? Or do I want to take a, um, do I want to go to Toledo in gray shirt? And I, I thought about it. I was like, well, I know I could, um, I'm better in Toledo, so I'm going to just take the junior college route. And I did. Um, I believed in myself and I knew what I had to do when I got to junior college. I knew I had to get my grades right and focus in. And then the football part, I was, that was, that was easy to me, so. Okay. You you kind of made an immediate impact there and got on everybody's radar after your freshman year. I mean, what was it like to see, you know, you were going from Toledo and Mac schools to Penn State, West Virginia, Pitt, and then, you know, even some bigger schools then after that. How did that recruiting attention, you know, how did all that all come to come to play for you? It, it came to play how, um, like, I was just making, like, just plays and then I always, um, like, once I was making plays, that's when colleges start coming in, like, I, I always, like in high school, those schools always recruited me. It's just my grades weren't good at the time. So, like, my SAT scores weren't in at all. I could take my SAT, so, and my grades weren't good. But um, they knew I could play, so they followed me to junior college. And they, they said, if I do what I got to do, they'll still um, offer me, and they'll still show, like, love. So, um, which I'm, 
once I made plays and then I believed that Coach Duda, that Coach Duda would like get colleges to me or I could get colleges to myself. And once that happened, um, they just start offering at the end. Penn State was one of those schools that was on you for a long time. I know you came up to team camp and did really well before your senior year. And Terry's always been, obviously, been a guy at Gateway. Um, how, how did Penn State sort of stick with you that entire time? And, and what were they saying coming out of high school versus what they were saying a year or two later? Well, Penn, Penn State recruited me my junior year. They seen one game. I think I had 13 tackles that game. That was my first time playing safety. And um, I played corner and safety that game. But they seen my first game. And uh, ever since then, they recruited me. And um, I went to the game my junior year against um, Michigan. It was my first, the, the first whiteout game I've been to. And I seen it. And I just seen everything there. And uh, it, was, it was just unbelievable. And then um, the coach was just telling me to get my, just stay on top of my grades and still offer me. I just keep, like, through my junior year, through my senior year, like, what your grades look like. Um, just, just keep sticking on them. And then um, my grades weren't good enough, so I texted the coaches and I told them I was going to year class. They said they'll follow me and um, to keep them updated, like just send them practice film, just send them anything. So I was sending them film, and um, and once they were and once um, they were ready for some game film, so I, I gave them some game film, and they were like, "We're interested in you." We're just um, they were just telling me that they were interested in me and that they were going to offer me at like a certain point just be patient and just keep making the plays and that's what I was doing once uh, a couple of schools offered I think it opened up Alabama offered and some other schools that came through I mean how, how did you sort of keep yourself focused on what you needed to do at Lackawanna because as you mentioned Coach Duda you know he's got to keep you guys in check while while also balancing recruiting how did you keep yourself in check and you you committed a year ago at the end of this week I mean how how was that re- recruiting process much different than your high school recruiting process because it had to be it had to be a lot crazier with those schools involved yes well my high school recruiting process uh, yeah, I was I was a little shocked, like, because I was always underrated. Like, I wasn't, like, I didn't go to camps because of, like, some little injuries or, like, I just wasn't invited to some camps. And I was just, I knew I was underrated in high school, and uh, I wanted to prove myself. So, like, when I would, like, when my team would go to camps or when I would go to, like, 707s, like, with, like, team 412, like, outside of um, Gateway, I was I was just proving myself that I was one of the best players in my class. So so like in high school, when schools would like offer me and stuff like that, I'd be like, like you're gonna get a good player, or you're gonna get a, a great player. Like this is a like I'm a sleeper in my class. But um, so once and then once in junior college, junior college, I knew I had to prove myself again. I wasn't. I knew I had to prove myself to where like college like. I, the goal was to always be the number one safety in the country. I reached my goal, but I was I was just on a mission. But the same time around, I learned that um, once like once my grades were found, like once my grades were found and I um, and I played how I played, I knew I was gonna get schooled because like the ways I was making plays and then like I wasn't worried about my grades at all because I knew they were found. Like I came to like wanna to get A's and B's and like I wasn't. Like when coaches would come, I'd be like, like, look at my grades, or if they asked for my grades, like it was easy to send them. Like I, the second time around, and um, when schools were coming, I was just like, like, here, like this is why I shouldn't 
than doing in high school. Like, it wasn't really a, a shock to me because I knew I was, like, underrated in high school. But, like, once I, once, like, I just had to start making plays again, I started getting my name out there again. And um, that's, that was, that's what was different this time around. Did, did you have, you know, I know the JUCO grind is not for everybody. Did you have an experience where you just kind of realized, hey, this is, this is a, this is a completely different animal for me. And, and to, to, I guess when you, when you got to Lackawanna, I mean, what was that, that adjustment like to play in JUCO? Cause it's, it's not for everybody. Well, my, my adjustment, I think my adjustment was waking up early every day. My, the adjustment was going to breakfast every day and like certain stuff like, but we had to make it like on time. So like coach would be like breakfast at seven o'clock and then class at eight o'clock and then lunch at eleven o'clock and then dinner at four. Like we, we had to make it on time or we had to do punishment. So like the that was um adjustment right there, like just making it on time. Like coach would be like, make it on time at seven or you got punishment and then like we gotta make it to breakfast, then you gotta make it to class and like you have to make it there or like, see, we're going to get kicked out or you're going to have punishment. So I had to um, adjust that way. And then, like, I always was prepared for, like, I knew what it was going to be like. I knew it was going to be boring. But I just had to suck it up. I just had to, like, I knew what I was here for. I was here to get, um, I was here for my grades to improve and for me to get perfect in the classroom. And then the football part, like, always came easy to me, so... Was Penn State always the goal? I mean, where where were you at in terms of looking at uh, at schools coming in, and and when Penn State came along? I mean, what what did it for them? Well, before I came to junior college, my goals were to be the number one safety in the country, to have scholarships from Alabama, Penn State, Pitt, West Virginia, those schools like that. But Penn State was—I I won't say Penn State was always the goal. It was, it was Penn State, Alabama. Um, those were the two schools I um wanted to offer and and they and they did. So once them two offered me, um, they were just between like if I wanted I didn't want to be like everybody at Alabama, like I wanted to be like my own person at Penn State. But I didn't want to be a, another Nick Saban D B or just another Alabama player. Like I wanted to make my own name at Penn State and I wanted my, my parents to come to come see me play, and then I felt comfortable in Penn State defense. Like I ran that my freshman year, and I ran that defense all through high school. So if it was, if it came to my junior year when they offered me, I would have committed to Penn State. So okay. it was just always like Penn State, and then like Alabama creeped up in there and some other schools, but Penn State was like always in the top three. What kind of expectations do you have? You you move into Penn State this weekend. Obviously, safety is wide open right now. What kind of expectations do they have for you, and what kind of expectations do you have for yourself over, over I guess, the next couple of months and the next couple of years? What expectations they have for me is to come in and start. Come in and learn plays. Come in and like they, they, I'm a junior college player, so they expect me to be ready right away, like college ready. Like I, I have to years under my belt so they expect me to be to have experience, to be a veteran when I come in and um, they expect me to be a leader, they expect me to make plays like I did. They expect me to do everything I did in junior college. And um, for myself, um, I expect to come in and start. I, I just expect to to become a leader and make plays and be comfortable with my teammates. Um, become a 
team team player first, just just to earn my respect first. I want to earn my I want to show them that I can play, and um, I want to show them that like I'm here, I'm here, like this is me. Have you hit it off with any of those guys yet? I know you know a lot of those guys, Lamont and such, from from high school. Um, but have you hit it off with and and cultivated a relationship with any of those guys that are on campus already? Yes, I know a lot of players, um, like Tariq, Tariq Castro Fields, um, Lamont Wade, John DeSouter, Johnny Patricia, um, Ricky Slade, um, C.J. Thorpe, of course Anthony Wiggins, like a couple players, like. On the D line, also Cam Brown, Michael Persons. Um, like I'm, I'm real cool with a lot of them. Okay. Like um, we, like when I was going up there for practices, like we had, like we were talking, like we were, we were all, like having like good conversations about football or just, just, just anything. Like I made a lot of friends there, and um, they just can't wait to see me play. Like they see my tape, and they're just like, like let's go. Like it's time. Like this is the, this is the year. Like. We all feel like it's the year for Penn State football this year, next year, and in the future. So, can you give us a quick scouting report on Anthony Wigan? Um, when I was there watching him, he looked good. He got bigger. They filled him in. So, um, his he didn't lose a step. His footwork is still there. His hands are still there. Um, so it's just we're gonna see in the camp. But he's he he work he's he's a hard worker. Um, he hasn't changed. He's still humble. He's just playing his role right now. But I think that this summer he's he's going to turn it up a, a, a notch, like another level. Like you can almost hear Anthony with his name on Saturdays. All right. Uh, it's Jaquan Brisker. He was 24-7 sports number one safety in the JUCO ranks, number four overall. He joins Penn State this weekend. Jaquan, thanks for having us on, and best of luck to you over the next couple of years. Thank you for having me. We're certainly appreciative to get Jaquan on the phone. Uh, excited to see how he's going to do in the next couple of years. I don't think there's any question that his presence can change how this defense looks. I think it's a very good defense to begin with, uh, but we're, we're talking about how that that, that can impact uh, the Penn State roster in 2019. So thanks for him. Uh, thanks to him for joining us. We're going to move on a little bit of recruiting now. Of course, the news not all good. Uh, Julian Fleming going to announce on May 31st. He announced this on Friday after we recorded. Actually, I guess it was in the evening after we posted. But uh, I got to say, it does not look good for Penn State. This is one that, uh, you know, he had talked about waiting out and seeing how Penn State's receivers were going to uh, perform this year. Um, right now, that's that's not the case. He's going to announce on May 31st. I have Ohio State in this race. And if, if you've been tweeting me asking about my crystal ball, the uh, crystal ball is always representative of the reporting. It's not the reporting itself. We, we talked about this, uh, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, where if a decision were to come sooner from Fleming, it probably wouldn't look too good. And right now I have him going to Ohio State, which is obviously a big blow and a big, a big miss and a big, honestly, a big fail for the Nittany Lions staff. Yeah, the timing of this scheduled announcement is is concerning for the Nittany Lions, to say the least. I think, you know, I, I, my view of, of this process for Julian Fleming has always kind of anticipated he was going to take it probably through his senior season, if not um, all the way to maybe an All-American showcase. So this is a lot earlier than I expected. And let's face it, this kid's the top wide receiver in the country. 
He's going to commit May 31st. Teams are still going to recruit him June 1st, and I think Penn State will be one of those schools if they are not the pick. Uh, but it's Penn State, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, uh, Alabama. Great company, but that's not what Penn State fans want to hear. They want to seal the deal with a kid who got his offer you know, June 2017 and, and has been a, a prized possession uh, for Penn State in terms of uh, their recruiting uh, target board for 2020 and everything that goes into it. You don't talk to a commitment in this class and, and, and talk to them about who they want without Julian Fleming being the first or second name off off that list, uh, and and I'll tell you what, Sean, I, I just look back at last year and and and, and in, into 2019, and a lot of the questions I think that surfaced in 2018, you think that they're going to have answers for. I still don't know what we're going to get from this passing game, and, and I just think the taste that was left in your mouth uh, as a recruit, as someone who's going to be involved as a central part of a passing game. You look at the most recent, you know, evidence that's out there with this offensive coordinator who's only going to be in his second year in Ricky Ronnie, and and it's just it's not. Uh, you measure it up against what else might be there, and, and you can understand why he may be taking a long look. and And he's got a great relationship now with Brian Hartline, a wide receivers coach uh, for Ohio State, a former NFL player himself. And there's been the wide receiver coaching changeover. It certainly didn't help to have Corley here for a year and then gone. Um, I think ultimately, you know, Julian Fleming though whatever happens on May 31st because of where he lives because of the history here uh you know Penn State it's still it's this is not going to go away until December when when he signs with a place but certainly would hurt to to, for anyone uh, affiliated with Penn State whether you're a fan with the program to to conjure up the image of Justin Fields throwing passes to Julian Fleming in an Ohio State uniform in Beaver Stadium next season that sentence I know is very painful to, to hear uh, but it's looking more and more like that that may be the reality yeah it's and this was the gem I mean this was the guy that everybody looked to as the the centerpiece for the class when it looked like to, when it was so hopeful and it's still a pretty good class but at the, at the end of the day no Julian Fleming no Brian Brezzi those two were looked upon as as the building blocks for a potential national title type qu- uh, class in 2020 um, or as of right now, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, Penn state's going to stick on him. There's no doubt about it. I know he's got a lot of support in his hometown, you know, his, his family really likes Penn state. So, but, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a tough miss and, and there's really no spinning it and, or no getting around it. But if, if he does indeed announce for Ohio state, which, you know, looks, looks to be that way. I mean, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. So. And if you surveyed the recruiting landscape in, in May 2017, different recruitment, different kid, but Micah Parsons looked like a slam dunk to Ohio State at that point. Now, Micah Parsons didn't schedule a commitment for May. Uh, he ended up keeping things open and taking all those visits and keeping us on the on the edge of our seats. Uh, but, you know, it, the distance from May to December sometimes, we'll see what happens. And again, Ohio State, I, I'm going to be very curious because Ohio State has done a nice job carrying the recruiting momentum after Urban Meyer left that, you know, they dealt with some issues there. I think they're certainly on track there now, but we'll see when they start playing football games. Cause that's what it's going to come down to for the Ohio state Buckeyes. Uh, recruits are expecting them to compete for college football playoff spots every year. They've been doing that. We'll see if that keeps up with Ryan day, but you know, again, I, I don't think anything is, is a sure shot when you're talking about the departure of a guy as accomplished as Urban Meyer, just assuming we're going to see a Lincoln Riley kind of situation. Uh, I, I think that's, that's, you know, that's, a little bit uh, early in the, early in the stage to, to think that, but clearly Julian Fleming likes what he sees from the Buckeyes. So there you go. Back closer to home, uh, receiver now. I mean, you always looked at the wide receiver class, and you were wondering, you know, who would join? Probably who would join Julian Fleming in that class? Obviously, that's uh, that's not the thinking anymore. But receiver options, there there are some out there, but it's it's a lot 
less clear with with Fleming so seemingly going off the board. Jaden Dotton's a guy that we look to. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that we've we've looked to very long for as as a potential Penn State commit. I uh, got to get him back on campus. Keandre Lambert is a guy that we've both seen this spring in camp season. Penn State very high on him as well. So you're probably gonna have to look outside the region um, once again. Penn State got two receivers from Florida last year. Marcus Roseme is a teammate of Derek Wingo's at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. He's probably going to be up this summer. Um, he's a top 40 overall kid. Michael Redding III at IMG has expressed interest in Penn State. Um, they just offered Josh Downs the North Carolina commit. So, I mean, you can go all over the place right now, and it's and it's probably going to look different. Probably looking at two or three receivers right now. You always want to add athletes on the outside and, and size and everything like that. But just gonna it's going to have a different look for what we expected coming into the cycle. Yeah, and, and it, it should be no surprise to anyone who has listened to the last couple of podcasts, but of all those mentioned, Keandre Lambert, to me, is, is the guy I think gets on a college campus and makes an impact right away. Um, you know, Jaden Dotton, I like him. I think physically he's got some growing to do. I don't think it's going to be an immediate transition for him. He, he could certainly prove me wrong, but I think in terms of who's going to be ready to contribute uh, and who really could be the biggest star at the college level, out of those guys you've mentioned that I've seen personally, Keandre Lambert sticks out. I think Marcus Roseme out of Florida. Um, and you said St. Thomas Aquinas. He, he's another name that has gotten a lot of, of buzz throughout his career. Um, and, and there are big dates coming up, Sean, on the recruiting trail. I, I know people are going to be really f- uh, fixated on the on the May 31st commitment announcement for Julian Fleming. But when we look ahead, uh, you know, Penn State's got some important dates coming up beyond that uh, in recruiting. This weekend, in fact, this Saturday, uh, they are set up to have a junior day. Um, so we're, we're going to be focusing more on the 2021 guys here. But there are going to be a bunch of commitments on campus the two names that stick out to me both offensive tackles uh, mentioned this last week guys I got a chance to see down in Baltimore two weeks ago Tristan Lee Landon Tengwall they said they've been developing a a pretty good friendship they've already been talking about making this trip they're not driving up together they're not that close but they're excited to kind of rendezvous up in Happy Valley and I'll tell you what uh, if any team Penn State included manages to land those two guys in the same class you're off to a great start on your offensive line group but your class in general because I think they both have star power. I think uh, Landon Tengwall is a surefire, you know, top five off- offensive tackle in this pr- in this class. I think we're looking at a five star level kind of kid. And then to me, Tristan Lee is someone whose trajectory is going to keep going up. The offers keep coming in. Would not surprise me if he ends up being in that top ten tackle range too. Uh, when all is said and done with the rankings, yeah, this weekend should be fairly busy. Um, and at a programming note, I'm not going to be on the second show this weekend. If there is a second show this week, um, I'll be out of town, so uh, we might talk about it, might not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a bigger weekend that you'd expect in the middle of May. And Penn State's done this the last couple of years. They've built it around the baseball season finale, but I don't think that's the case this uh, this time around. But you, uh, one guy that sticks out to me, David Baker from Indiana. He, he is a receiver. You know, we talked about him in the twenty, or excuse me, we talked about the twenty twenty class, and you've seen some new offers go out. Penn State offered Malik Mega from Canada last year. We talked about a Joe, a Joe, the wide receiver from Canada, who's down in in Tampa, or excuse me, Clearwater, uh, for his. Uh, a high school career, but David Baker is a guy that could, you know could get a look from Penn State this weekend. Three-star receiver out of Indiana, um, and just to circle back around, and I, this isn't th- for this weekend, but you're looking at places for receivers like Texas. Uh, William Nixon has been has visited Parker Washington has visited William Nixon, of course, uh, a Penn State legacy. He says he'll be back for an official visit, and then Florida. I think I think Penn State is going to end up signing a receiver from Florida again. Not sure really who that is yet, but they're getting Leonard Manuel, the Florida commit, on campus for an official visit in June. 
Thune. You've got Bryce Gowdy, uh, Elijah Cannon, Marquez Bell. Uh, Mark Britt is often brought up at Penn State. Um, and then Michigan, you've got Ian Stewart, Ernest Sanders, Cam Martinez. We talked to, with Alan True about them a couple of weeks ago. And then the Canadian kids as well. Malik Mega, I think a very interesting kid who they just offered uh, after we were off, off air on Friday. 6-3, ran a 4-4-2 at the opening, uh, looked better than you would expect for, for a Canadian kid. And that's not a disrespect to any of the Canadian kids, but you you go to a camp and you see them, you expect them to be more raw. Um, but he, he was a pretty good-looking prospect. But, yeah, getting back to this weekend, it's something we're going to be confirming as the week goes along. Grant Toutant will be back. Uh, Nick Dawkins just texted me while we're on air saying he'll be back and a couple of other uh, prospects worth mentioning for Penn State. So we'll see how that turns out. But uh, it should be it should be a, a weekend worth following. That's for sure. Yeah, hope you have a nice trip where you're heading this week. Uh, if we do get another podcast in, I think the, the plan will probably be to bring Mark Brennan on board. Always good to, to get some insight from Mark as well, our teammate at Lions 24-7. Uh, and just a quick note here as well, Stefan Wisniewski, back with the Philadelphia Eagles. He won a Super Bowl there, re-signed. They have five, uh, five former Penn State players now. No one in the NFL has four or more. The Eagles have five. Uh, Tennessee Titans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, New York Giants. I think one other team have three, uh, five now on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's just pretty amazing considering the crossover fan section when we talk about Nittany Lions fans, Eagles fans. And then there's plenty of listeners who say, screw the Eagles. I don't support them. Don't talk about them. And that's fine too. But uh, he, he's he's back with Philly. <laughs> well, well, you have to appreciate you have to appreciate Stefan Wisniewski in a tuxedo T-shirt signing his contract. I mean, that's just it, yes, it was yes. it was fantastic branding on his part. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see where, where that goes. A long way to make rosters for some of those guys, but uh, you know, it's it, it's cool to see a, such a big number, of course, so close to home. Yeah, and uh, that's going to do it for us. Obviously, we'll keep tabs on Julian Fleming's situation as things develop there um, on Lines 24-7 and our complete group of, of recruiting analysts at 24-7 Sports. For now, we'll step away. Sean, anything else to add before you uh, head out of Happy Valley? No, if we didn't punch you in the gut enough, it's it's not until May 31st when Fleming announces, so we'll be back with a couple of episodes before that. Stay tuned for that, and in case you missed it, Caden Wallace, we just talked about him being uh, one of the uh, enrollees. Uh, we did a podcast interview with him uh, back in January. It's one of the many that we've done with players. I would encourage you to go back. We've been very busy uh, with our guest uh, in the last few shows, uh, so check that out. It's something we've been trying to do more of, and, and brisker today. Again, thanks to him, uh, and congratulations for him to getting to campus. That's going to wrap up this latest episode of the Lines 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you later.